Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, Prime Video offers up $40,000 just to watch TV for three months. Seven's Disruptor does some real damage to Nine's new dating show. The 9pm show I tried to get up but was rejected worse than a 15-year-old Rob McKnight trying to ask girls out on dates. And some very big news that will change everything here at TV Black Box. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. Yes, this is TV Black Box. Lord Almighty. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Yes, hello, my lovelies. I'll introduce the panel in just a moment, right after I tell you what happened on this day in television history. Oh, wait, no one scooped it. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm Rob McKnight. It's time to meet the panel. First up, we have the writer to the magazines. It's none other than Philip Kosh. He knows the stories. He breaks the stories. He is the story. Hello, Woo! Philip. Get yeah, Rob. <laughs> Big rap. Big rap. Thank you. Big rap. Uh, next, we have TV Black Box contributor and 4BC producer. Hello, Matthew Simmons. Hello. Thanks for having me back. And we have the reporter to the stars. If the stars weren't off at the Milky Way, I don't know what that means, but hello, Robert. You know what I liked though? Uh, you did a fantastic uh, intro for Philip, which is what you've said that you needed to do, which you did. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Uh, it's fantastic. Wonderful. Thank let's you. Let's get into it. Yes, indeed. Let's get into it because Seven CEO James Warburton has been a long-standing advocate for a change to the way the industry measures ratings, particularly when it comes to overnights. He's been advocating for a total TV figure and the elimination of overnight ratings. Well, next year he will get a compromised approach with live streaming numbers set to be included in overnight reports. Currently there's been discrepancies between media outlets on the way they report ratings. While some report five cap city metro figures, some report national figures and networks issue their own total numbers, which somehow gets thrown into the mix. Well, Warburton argues all are indeed correct, but such an issue occurs because of how the figures are released. Despite the incoming ratings changes, the Seven Chief says there's still more work to be done, ultimately pushing for the industry to move away from overnight ratings altogether. I think Malk will be upset that he isn't here this week, yes, Robert. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, was, I was waiting for Malk to go, yes, right. And, and just, you know. <laughs> all right. So here's what I do like. The way people consume television has changed. So people are using their streaming, the streaming services of the networks. So I actually am in favour of those numbers being included in the overnight figure we get. So here's the problem, though, that we need a standard overnight figure 
and I like this. I'm not keen, Robbo, on how Warburton wants to move away from overnights because, to be honest, I barely care about the plus sevens. What happened a week ago, I've moved on. I don't care. So I think overnights are really important. And so this is a smart way of getting the true number for the networks. So the problem I've always found with ratings, and and I've adored ratings ever since I can remember, but the problem is is that you know that they... Uh, they're not real. They're averages. You know, I think, uh, Rob, you've done a story on this before on tvblackbox.com.au where people in the industry get their news uh, <laughs> that um, only 100,000 people have those boxes, right? So so they average. There's lots of averaging. There's lots of mathematics. They, stay, they worked- do say it's statistically correct. Sure, sure, sure. Um, we have worked um, at networks where... Those numbers, and where I come from, one plus one equals two. But when you're in television, one plus one could equal five. It could uh, equal seven. It doesn't always equal. <laughs> Are you four. saying people try to um, skew the numbers whichever way they can? Get out of here! I would never say such a <laughs> thing about television. I just think if there is any way that we can more accurately report numbers, that is better for the industry. However, I understand that there is lots of uh, concern and worry about the fact that. Well, of course we know the Seven Network does have and always has have had um, a, a wider reach, which is the problem if you do that. So I think that if, especially with streaming, you can actually, you know, measure that, which is really important. So that should never be anything that can actually measure what we're watching is great for the industry. Well, it's a bit of a no-brainer when you think about it. I completely agree. And just... Regarding the numbers of boxes, it's around about, this is a really rough figure, it's about a 1,000 in each metro market. So there's about a a sample of a 1,000. I I think they were trying to up that a bit, so I don't know the actual figure now. But but they say it's statistically accurate. And, Matthew, here's the thing. When we're talking about numbers, streaming services like Netflix wouldn't discount numbers because of the way people are consuming. It's all about consumption. Hmm. So I really do buy into the idea that if people are watching the block on Nine Now, that figure should absolutely be included in the overnights. No, yes. If, if you're watching the show, it should be represented um, in w- averages, whatever, as long as it's included. My biggest takeaway from Warburton's comments, and I mean, I could have interpreted them uh, completely wrong, but he has a bit of a focus on where people are watching, and I don't understand that. Like, I granted, yes, where are people watching? If they're watching on linear TV, are they watching on BVOD? That's fine, that's great. I still want to know how a show is performing, though. I still want to know how it rates. I, I don't necessarily care where they're watching from. I, if, if a show gets mm. two hundred thousand yeah. people, exactly. then I, I yes, want to know yes, that because yes. that also informs me. A lot of my TV consumption is sometimes based on how it performed the night before. I look at those overnights, and and granted, if we're including more data, that's great. But if I see a show has only gotten a hundred and something thousand. I'm more inclined to not watch it. Does that possibly limit mm. me from missing a great show? Absolutely. But it is what informs me, so I still care about it. I think a lot of people do, especially people not in the TV industry and just watching television. They want to know uh, how a show's performing. It's what used to be the water cooler. If people are talking about a show, Philip, and you see that it's rated 900,000 or it's the big new number one show, you might actually go, oh, okay, I'll take a look. Whereas if we're not reporting overnights and a week later we're saying, oh, this show did that number, it does not have the same impact. And this is where I think James Warburton needs to be careful. 
Well, cer- certainly uh, coming from magazines, you know, and, and newspapers for that matter, you sort of live or die on the TV ratings when it comes to entertainment stories. And there's been multiple occasions where full covers of magazines have been changed virtually at the last minute once the ratings have come mm, in. Because yeah. if they show bombs, you know, usually it will mean there are less eyeballs, less people interested in the contestants or the stars or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, when you're talking about water cooler, you know, I've watched a lot of stuff on Netflix simply because I've seen it's in the 10 most watched shows, yeah. which I probably wouldn't have thought to watch it. Mm. So I think it is always about eyeballs and whichever way you want to cut and dice that, you know, I, I don't think any of us believe anything that come directly out of the networks because <laughs> they slant and spin every bit of ratings yes. on their releases and they always have. We used to look at them and compare them and think, okay, well, uh, you know, we're looking at these two releases it, it's not clear which which show won the night for Lady Bug. It's apparent, apparently two shows did. So, you know, I, you, I think you do need an independent body or an independent organisation to tell you how many eyeballs there are. Well, Channel 9 is poised to close a brand new broadcasting rights deal for the Australian Open, all to the tune of $525 million. The five-year extension to the current contract, which is still yet to be confirmed, would give 9 the Australian Open rights through to 2030. It's reported the tennis deal is around about $105 million a year. That's a big lift on their first agreement of $60 million plus per year. At this stage, nothing appears to be locked in, though, but big moves are certainly happening behind closed doors. Uh, Matthew, if this reporting is right, and I actually think it is, it shows how important the Australian Open is to nine. James Warburton was quoted in TV tonight saying, "Well, if they want to pay a hundred million dollars a year, good good luck to them." Mm. I think seven. I think seven are still smarting from losing the tennis. Um, their, their their front of year hasn't been as strong. It's a great promotional vehicle. I think this is worth every dollar that Nine's paying. Absolutely, it seems to only keep going up from whatever the last deal was, and, and you know, rightfully so. It really sets the tune for what um, Australian television is at the beginning of each year. And granted, next year we'll, we'll very unlikely see anything like Ash Barty winning the Australian Open. She's retired now. There's not really any other Australian player that's probably going to drum up as much um, hype for a match and is world number one. Uh, so uh, the sure. numbers that we've definitely seen for this year's women's final, as huge as they were for nine, I don't think we're going to get quite as close next year or any foreseeable year. But that doesn't mean that that still doesn't draw a huge audience and it's still not a big event. It's definitely what I know for, for, for my family, it's what we talk about at the beginning of the year when it comes to television. It's it's what's happening in the tennis. I'm glued for two weeks watching the Australian Open and the events before that. So good on them. I can only see it um, getting higher and higher and whoever whoever gets the tournament next uh, in t- 10 years, 20 years time, good for them as well. Uh, Phil, sporting rights are really at a weird moment here because some are going through the roof and then we've got Cricket Australia, which is a contract Seven's trying to get out of, yet Cricket Australia trying to talk themselves up like it's going to be some kind of bidding war and I just don't see that happening. Nine gave up the rights to Cricket. Seven don't appear to want them, and uh, 10 might end up with them. Look, I I think cricket and tennis, well, obviously very different sports, but they're different business propositions, you know. Um, 
tennis, yes, it, they'll get higher ratings if there's great Australians in the finals, but they'll get extremely strong ratings if there are two big international stars in that final as well. Mm. Um, cricket's a bit different, you know. Yes, you want the Australian team to be playing well, but you also want the other team to be playing well. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot more variables, I yeah. think, in cricket in terms of just making a good viewing. But did Australia just fall out of love with cricket? Like, what happened? I Look, I've never been a huge cricket fan, but I feel like there's just so many cricket matches, different cricket formats, that it's just a little bit like, yeah. oh, I don't even know what to watch. So I think, obviously, Test cricket is the holy grail. I think that is still a very valuable commodity, but the others are, are, are quite high risk, I think, mm. in terms of, a business proposition. Fair enough. Yeah, but the problem is, though, that really in Australia, the home of cricket is... And it's not seven. An iconic theme, Robbo. I love that theme. And it was just a production track. All right, Gremlins were in the system at Channel 9's North Sydney Studios this week with the Today Show being forced off the air after major audio issues. During Alex Cullen's 7.30 News update, the whole audio desk failed and the show was rushed into an ad break. While the issue was resolved, earlier interviews were replayed in Sydney and Melbourne and in delayed markets, a segment produced for Nine Honey went to air instead. 25 minutes later, fill-in hosts David Campbell and Amelia Adams were back live at the desk. Robbo, you've worked in a lot of live environments. Technical issues when you're live. You know, it's all fun and games, isn't it? It is a lot of fun and games. You know when this wouldn't have happened? It wouldn't have happened in Epping. It wouldn't have happened at Willoughby, and it would have happened at 10 no matter where they were. But it would never have happened at 7 that's or 9 in those true. beautiful places. No, I know, and that's what I'm putting into this. I, if everyone remembers, I think it was 2005 uh, that Blue Healers went off air and it went to black. Uh, Blue to Healers black not only went minutes. to black, there was colour bars for 40 minutes and rated, you know rated higher. Yep. 870,000 or some such yeah. thing, which shows today would die for those numbers and this was an episode that didn't go to air. That's right. So I think that if a network is, you know, like, you know, seven or nine are competing for who's going to win the year, maybe one's a week behind, just put colour bars, put a bit of static to air, um, put a bit of, uh, you know, one of their stars going, oh, we're sorry, uh, sorry, and then... They'll, they'll win the but week. But here's they'll the thing. The what they should have done is just get bits of cardboard and say, we have no audio and come back to David and Amelia just holding up signs doing we have no audio. And then you go to other bits or do whatever. But No, 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 no. Can I just say mm-hmm. that's the showbiz that Australian television no longer has. So people would have gone there and gone, okay, we're in a world now where uh, TikTok people perform, where YouTube people perform, uh, and when that happens, well, they, they cut it out. They edit it out. They don't they don't put it to air. Whereas in the old days and in the days of when Australian television had just a, 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 an inkling of friggin' showbiz, you would have done that and you would have got great headlines for it. Mm. You would have got, you would have received great, great social images. media for it, great images. I know that um, they did make a joke about Ali and Carl sabotaging them, which is, that that's fantastic. There's no images to to show to that. What is missing from television is the idea that when something goes wrong, you can still make gold out of that. No, and they I used don't to love things anymore. going wrong. No, no, me. I know that, and, and I agree with that. You know, the first the, the first time I ever saw this, and I think this really has affected my career in a way of 
just loving what can happen when it goes wrong is I remember when uh, it was Agro's Cut and Connection and they would it was pre-recorded but they were doing this thing where they ran through the studios of Channel 7 in Brisbane and they ran past the seven nightly news set and I still remember Agro or someone saying um, you're going to get in trouble for that you showed that with no lights on you're going to get in trouble for that and I always remember thinking that that is what has molded my idea of TV and that is it's great when it's polished but if something goes wrong, people will love it. And I think even more in this day and age, if something goes wrong and it's not polished, people will love it yeah. and you get such value out of it. So, uh, look, it was it was bad for everyone. I know that people behind the scenes would have been scrambling. I know the producers would have been screaming, technical people, all of that. And it was lovely that David Campbell acknowledged that. But the thing is they missed a great opportunity to do something different and to do something that was real. Yeah, I, look. Very fair point. What do you think, Philip, of Amelia Adams, who's been co-hosting the Today Show? Because it looks like she's going to be the new host alongside Carl. Oh, look, I like, I, I do like her. I really liked her when she was reporting from the States. Mm, she's um, very solid. She, yeah, she seems polished. She, she And she's got a little bit of personality and she lets it show through, you know. I think she's got a little bit of cheekiness, you know. She can't be too cheeky because she's sitting next to Carl, right? So she has to play, play the straight man or woman to his sort of, you know, prankster act. Um, but, look, I, yeah, I, bet I, was, I was actually watching it when they had the technical issues, except I didn't see it it start to happen. I, I was, you know, doing something in the kitchen. I turned around and saw that nine honey thing and I thought, well, quite honestly, I thought, fuck me, Dad, Channel 9 have lost their minds. Like, why would they be putting this on? Um, and it just seemed so strange. It was a different set. It was yeah. a different, everything was, and I thought, I actually switched it off. I just thought, right, that's it. I'm done with the Today Show. I've been whacking in an advertorial like that for nine honey. And so I was quite relieved to find out later that it was technical issues. I was like, oh, wow, I what, what is going on at that network? Uh, but, look, yeah, that's it. I think she, I think she's good, and I think if it's true that Ali Langdon is taking over from Tracy, then Amelia Adams is now the very, very obvious choice for the Today Show. I used to work in the same office as Amelia Adams, and she is absolutely fantastic. She used to work on a kids' news show, Brilliant back then, brilliant over the time that we've seen it. Because if you think about it, if you look at Channel 9 and there's something big happening, uh, especially in the US, which is where we've seen her over the past couple of years, you, you know you're in safe hands and she's in there, she's she's handling it, uh, she's doing a fantastic job. I, I, I think this is great. What I want to see, though, is more and more personality because when you're a serious news channel that's kind of pushed down, she has to let go a little bit. Um, I know her personally and I think that she will absolutely better do it because she's got it in her uh, and we want to see it coming out of her. I think the interesting thing is it seems pretty obvious and uh, that Ali Langdon is the next host of A Current Affair. So I'm going to go around the room and find out what everyone thinks about that. Uh, Matthew, let's start with you. What do you think of Ali as the new Tracy Grimshaw? Great pick. I mean, there's certainly a few people I think that Nine have that are worthy of um, taking it, but if it's Ali, uh, great, good job on them. I think she'll do a great job. Philip? Uh, yeah, look, I think she'll be good. I, again, it's a it's a wait-and-see situation, isn't it? Like, you, you really don't know who's going to work in a role until you see them in the role, and, and we've seen that time and time again. Uh, 
look, I'm looking forward to seeing how she makes it, all right? I think that we can see she'll be brilliant. She can read an auto cue. She's been doing hard-hitting interviews on the Today Show. She's learnt to have a bit of fun. She takes. She doesn't take crap. I think this is actually a great pick, and I applaud Nine. And I know that there's been a lot of toing and froing, but it really does seem like it's Ali's gig. I don't have confirmation of that. Let me please be clear to all the uh, writers listening to this podcast. I do not know that officially or 100%, but uh, I'm putting a bit of money with Sport Dead on it. Uh, Rob, what do you think of Ali? I, I think Ali is fantastic. I think that she has shown that can she obviously can do the serious stuff. You want light and shade, I think, in that particular role. What I think is... Uh, Look, this is my opinion, but I think it's always been really well received when we got Tracy out of the studio. Great behind the desk. But when we got Tracy out of the studio when she was either having fun or doing really fantastic, serious stuff. And remember, she was getting interviews with Scott Morrison at the time and, and, and certainly a lot of other big people that the ABC wanted, that other people wanted, but she got it and she did an amazing job. What I would like to see is Ali behind the desk, but I want to see her also doing stories both serious and funny. I want to see the same thing of that because if we can see someone behind the desk being able to do all of those things in this day and age is the way to go. Yeah. You need sugar, you need bloody spice, and I think she can do it. Fair enough. I agree completely. Well, working from home has become the norm, but is this the best gig yet. Amazon Prime Video are offering someone $40,000 for three months over summer and all you have to do is watch TV. You'll be paid to watch the latest content on Prime Video, recommend shows and movies and appear on their social media platforms. Matthew, is this job too good to be true? Possibly. (laughs) I I wanted to start just by saying that we do this every week with our Binge Box segment and I've I've yet to see a, a sniff of forty k, <laughs> let alone oh, let alone a bunch. We're all getting that. Oh, what? No, um, oh, no, look, definitely. I think I think it come. It's probably going to come with its um, caveats. And already I've seen on on Twitter suggestion of someone with a big following who's really because that look. You it's could funny be, you say that. It, look, you could be the the biggest movie and and and, and TV junkie, and I mean I, I'd put my hand up and say I must be one of them in Australia, but. If you can't sell yourself, because someone could love TV and movie and just not be a great character, uh, given that this role is going to be recommending it to people and being online and being camera ready, it's going to go to the person who's got the best face, and I don't mean physically, but just someone who can really present that in, in such a such a. Uh, a hard-hitting way that Prime Video is going to like, someone that's just going to really resonate with an audience. So it's it's not just going to be who, who's who's the best one for the job. It's going to be who's the one that can really sell the job to everyone else. I think it's pretty much going to come down to one thing, followers. Mm. I went, I thought, oh, this is a nice side hustle, 40K, yeah, I could do with that. So I went <laughs> to the application form, started taking a look, and then it said social media handle. And I went, Ally, <laughs> you just want to see who's got the most followers as a way of promoting your brand. This is a great promotion. This is a 40K marketing um, uh, deal, right? Smart move. I, I really applaud it. But we all know it's going to be some Instagram wannabe who doesn't know anything about TV. I mean, realistically, if you were going to do this gig, you'd give it to Mulk. You wouldn't even have to advertise, <laughs> right? Because... <laughs> That's, like, so true. That's 
fair enough? Yep, absolutely. I, I, I think this is a bit of a... I'm interested to see how it goes, but I, I tell you what, if it's some bloody Instagram puffed-up lips bullshit, I'm out. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Oh, my God, agreed. Philip, do you want to say something? Because I've got a rant about this, but if you want to say something. Oh, look, I, I love influencers. I, I think, you know, the ability to flash your tits or show your muscles and yeah, have yeah, hundreds yeah. of thousands of followers is an absolute fantastic ability in this modern world. Weirdly, we no one subscribes I, to my OnlyFans account where I, I flash yeah. my tits. You know? well, I'm about, I have about ten friends on Facebook. That's something old people used to do, Matthew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I I hadn't actually thought of that. No, I was dreaming that that would be an easy side hustle. And yes, I would love to just have a job where I watch TV. It's my dream job. But um, no, I don't think they're going to be looking for me. So uh, good luck to whoever gets that dream gig. The problem is that Amazon has tested this and they did this with the Lord of the Rings series on Twitter where they got someone who was seemingly normal and just one of the people and where they said, oh, my God, I love Lord of the Rings. This is amazing. It was a really generic kind of general um, uh, post about a show that you would see. So if, you know, we're all on TV, we're all on, you know, uh, TV and movie Twitter where people might say, oh, I love this series, I love that series. It was written like that. The problem was with it, though, is that it was promoted constantly and very little engagement. Yeah. And that is the problem. So um, this per- they, were, they were trying this thing of, an everyday person loving Lord of the Rings, saying that they loved Lord of the Rings, um, but you saw it so many times that it just didn't work. Now, how that has then got past what I assume was the trial to Amazon and going, well, that worked really well. I never saw it. Maybe they didn't think it. it worked. I thought it was really bad. Maybe they just. Well, it didn't work. Yeah. Well, maybe they're saying we need some one person who'll become so engaged that we can pay them and it can be their full time job for three months. And they do engage on social media about these shows. But can I say to you, Rob, I agree with you wholeheartedly, 100%. What will happen is, and look, I will eat my hat, I'll eat everyone else's hat on this podcast. Uh, exactly what I've Rob said. I've got a big said. hat. It will not... Yeah, I've heard. Um, <laughs> I, I will... They will find someone who has, you know, 800,000 followers... Um, who clearly doesn't watch the programs, who clearly hasn't watched the programs. And you know what the biggest thing will be the problem is that ha- Amazon Prime will have so many PR people that it will be written to with an inch of its life. Mm. It's almost like it will be produced by anyone at the Seven Network because all of their shows are produced within an inch of their lives. Uh, and it will show that it's not the real person. I agree with you, Rob. It needs to be someone like Mulk. It needs to be someone who you genuinely see loves television. They won't do it. Now, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hat down here right now. I know I've spoken a lot about hats. <laughs> this is the first thing. They'll find someone who you n- just know doesn't watch the shows yeah. and is written by Amazon PR. I, I, done. The next thing is... The Seven Network will never air Million Dollar Island. Oh, I've said it three or four times We're not talking about here. Channel 7. No, no, but they, these are the couple of things I'm just laying oh, okay. down. Oh, these, these are the things Welcome to Robbo's Bits and Bobs. <laughs> oh, but while we wrap that up, thanks for listening to mine. Now I'm going to cross live to Rob McKnight to hear about Rob's rants. Million Dollar Island will never go to air. It'll well, never be produced. Speaking about Rob's Bits and Bobs, it's time for me to pull them out because... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
sorry, a fly threw in my mouth. Oh, goodness me. Because last week I talked about my failed 9pm pitch. So I was going through some documents, found this pitch, and I said, I'm going to put it up on the TV Black Box website and I'll present it here so that you guys can say what you like, say what you don't like, can it, whatever. Um, you, You don't have to be nice. Here's the deal. I keep going on about the 9pm slot and its potential. I seem to be the only one in um, that thinks this way because the networks certainly don't, except Channel 10, which is doing some interesting things at 8.30 slash 9 o'clock. So anyway, if you saw the pitch on TV Black Box, you would have seen the problem that I presented, the 9pm problem, the switch-off problem, and what could be achieved. So let me take you through the show. Now, some people are saying that this show, did that really happen, is you know, sounds like the project and sounds like other things. And there's some truth to that because it's a panel show. Because the simple fact is you are not going to get a $20 million show at nine o'clock. You need to think what is achievable in a studio-based environment and what can you do with it. You're going to hear some ideas of how I see it, but of course, it all comes down to the execution. When you look at Studio 10 on paper, how different did it seem to the project? Well, probably not that much, but when you saw Studio 10, it's a completely different show to the project. And I'm not talking about Studio 10 now, I'm talking about when we first launched it. So it's the panel, it's the team, it's the structure of the rundown. There are so many elements that go into actually showing what a show might be. So yes, you're going to hear some things that sound like a bit and pieces of other shows, but the whole thing, it comes down to the execution of it, which I believe I've got the um, the chops and the, the history of being able to pull off something like this. So anyway, the pitch was for a Monday to Thursday, 9pm to a 10pm soft out show. Now, the way I've described it, it's a unique take, take on the topics of the day with an eclectic cast of journalists, entertainers and comedians. Now, here's, that sounds like the project. I get that. Here's where it starts getting different. Each week, we have a comedian in residence. So one comedian doing the full four days. So you've got three general hosts. Then you've got a comedian and a guest panellist. So every night we're changing it up, but a comedian gets a week to deal with the topics of the week. And what they do at the beginning of it, this comedian this comedian in residence, is they actually they open the show each night. So think about the David Letterman style monologue. Think about um, Stephen Colbert. This comedian comes out and I would pitch to have a studio audience. This comedian comes out and actually presents an opening monologue. And what's the beauty of having a comedian do it? It's in their style. And it doesn't get stale because it's not them doing it every week. They do it one week and then we move on to the next comedian. It gives us an opportunity to use established comedians. It gives us an opportunity to establish new comedians and see the new people coming through and give them a go. So you never know who you're going to get. And you may even see a progression throughout the week as they see what's hitting and what's not. I think that's fascinating in itself. So... As I said, the panel is made up of three permanent hosts, nightly guest host, and a comedian in residence. Now, already you've got promotable material. You've got your comedian who you can promote. You've got your nightly guest who you can promote. Then, of course, you're doing interviews like you would, as well as talking topics of the day. You're doing interviews. So you might have, I don't know, an interview with Rod Stewart or Brad Pitt. There's your promotable item, okay? 
But you'd also do the bizarre, you know, alligators on set, the zany stuff we used to do on Studio 10 and Sunrise and The Morning Show and all that kind of stuff, Robbo. Robbo, I did think an on-the-road reporter to take viewers outside the studio and go around the country doing crazy things, show us what's happening that's out on the town. So, yes, it's a blend of the Today Show, the Project, the Midday, Midday Show, even the Ann, Rob and Robbo Show, even Studio 10. It's all part of that. Who's the target audience? Well, it's 25 to 54 with a focus on GB. So, yes, it's in the wheelhouse of 9 and 7, exactly where they are. Now, but it's not focused on younger demos because we know at 9 o'clock they're off watching YouTube Google or whatever they're doing. This is for parents <laughs> who are too busy to sit down and watch the 6 p.m. news. Commuters are still coming home from work at 6 p.m. Oh. This is for people who want to know what's happening in the world but want to be entertained. This is their cheat sheet to the events of the day. So basically they can come home, they can see a bit of funny stand-up, they can see people debating the hot topic issues of the day, be informed, find out the key moments and go to bed feeling like they actually know what's happened in the world today. Phase one will focus on retaining the 7.30pm audience lead-in. Phase two will grow that audience and create a nightly destination. My ideal for this would be 9pm every night that even if your 7.30 reality show has tanked, that you have an audience that will come to this show at 9 o'clock every night. They want to go to bed after watching this show. Part informative, part variety, did that really happen, will have broad appeal for adults. Absolutely. And it's interesting some of the feedback I've got to this because someone said a younger demo won't like this show. Um, it, it, it wasn't going for a younger demo, but anyway. Um, so here's the format. The show will start each night with a guest comedian performing a monologue about the events of the day, as I mentioned. Comedian and nightly guests will join hosting team to talk about hot topics, which will be spread throughout the show. Live crosses to a reporter will provide light entertainment on location. An entertainment report at the end of the show will be used to pull viewers through with promotions for the entertainment news spread throughout. And yes, I'm using something I've used before because it works. Having entertainment near the end of your show works because if you promote it right during your show, you've got a destination to get those viewers through. We've got to remember the idea is to hold people onto linear TV for longer, okay? This is the idea. You don't want them switching off at 9.15 after the comedian. You don't want them switching off at 9.30. You want them all the way to the end. If you do entertainment at the end, it is a pull-through. And all I can say to anyone who doubts me is 30 years of media experience teaches me this is a trick that works. This is like, it's not even rocket science. It's, it's basic, this is so basic, it's not funny. Celebrity interviews will allow for unique nightly promotion, as I mentioned. In-studio segments will be set up to create water cooler moments, so you can even do games and challenges and whatever else. These are the people I pitched as the main hosts. Brooke Boney from The Today Show. I wasn't sold on her when she first went to The Today Show, but this lady has amazed me. She's on the left, she's progressive, she's outspoken, and she's actually really funny. I think she has some very funny moments on the Today Show. 
Angelie Rao, who in this pitch I've got a centrist. I think she's probably a bit more to the right, but for the purposes of this pitch, <laughs> I put her as a centrist. She's controversial, isn't afraid to speak her mind. And Joe Hildebrand, great recognition. He's loved by many, hated by just as many who want to watch him to see what he's going to say, but always full of interesting opinions and points I of view. And I've got him Joe down as the Hildebrand. former lefty who now leans to the right. Love him. For our entertainment hosts, and I always like having a couple, I always like to have the air and the spare, we've got Joe Casamento and Christian Wilkins. Now, Christian Wilkins makes a headline just for going to the cup, the Melbourne Cup. So imagine what kind of publicity you can give your show, and Joe Casamento is the ultimate professional who knows her entertainment. Program specifics, 40 weeks per year, Monday to Thursday live at 9pm, episode length, one hour uh, one hour prox, budget, 8 to 10 million annually, which for this kind of show is nothing. Um, and like seriously, and to be honest, with the robotic cameras and stuff like that, you can probably bring that down, It's but without knowing the internals of the networks, I'm pitching it what I think is a realistic number for a nightly panel show and produced, this pitch was produced from TCN9 at North Sydney. So that is, did that really happen? And I've gone through super fast because I'm assuming people have read the pitch and I don't want to waste everybody's time. Robbo, first reactions, good, bad, indifferent. Uh, always good. Uh, the problem with television now, which I've said uh, before in this podcast, is uh, that um, if something happens or goes wrong, it's edited out very quickly. It's polished over. It needs to be perfect. Um, we want to see television that is live. Absolutely. That, that no pre-recording. Can go wrong. No pre-record. There are no pre-records here. <laughs> if anything can go wrong, it does. And if it does, you're with us on that. Um, so I think that I, I disagree with you on the robotic cameras. I think that's a, a wrong thing. I think that any show that is any kind of has any kind of right, any show that isn't a news broadcast should not have robotic cameras. You just can't have it. What I because would probably do for is a mixture. All you do, though, is, is you you lose that element of what you're looking for. The other thing mm -hmm. is I can't send – I've, I've got an addiction to uh, TikTok um, and I cannot stand what is clearly a set-up prank because there are ring lights, there are bloody boom mics, <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, look, like, oh, my God. It is ridiculous. The, the way you bring in the younger audience is you bring in the people who are doing real pranks or real games or real anything. That's the way you bring them in. That's the easiest way. TikTok is the biggest thing at the moment and you can bring them in on that. Oh, that's uh, a great idea. To, it needs to have, um, you know, if there are four cameras, there needs to be four camera people. You know, there, if, if there are two handhelds, there need to be two camera, uh, two handheld people. Um, it, it needs to have a rundown. But if something different or something happens on the run, organic, what we're missing from television now, and we've missed it for years, is any kind of organic nature to it. It is absolutely, um, you know, always overproduced, always made sure it's this, this, and this. The, the, the problem is that people want to see something different now. But, Robbo, what I would say is we missing. used to do that with Studio 10 and, and those skills come with this. You know, like we once during I the show of Studio 10 yeah. le learned that you could cook a lasagna in a microwave. So what did we do that episode? We didn't say we'll do it tomorrow. We did it that day on the show. And this is what you do. I, I think personally and and. Agreed. Please feel free to slap me down that I have the credibility to do what you're saying and I have the history of doing what you're saying going with the flow. 
We've done it together. And remember, the people on camera are performers for the most part. And if they're worth their weight in salt, then you can throw that at them and they enjoy that. Mm. They enjoy the prospect of going, hold on, did you just say, like, okay, for example, um, Jess Rose said that she got a parking fine and it turned out to be in a, in a bus stop. Fantastic. What happened next? I was out on the street uh, but below a very confusing parking sign and that gave us a whole other, yeah. I think, probably eight or nine minutes of content, which was funny, which made it work. That's why that reporter role is so significant to this. And people wouldn't understand, oh, what are you going to do? You're going to go to a park or whatever. No, it's to build on moments like that. You want to, oh my God, building on moments is exactly what you're talking about. You want to build on any kind of moment that organic, and I hate the word organic, but you want to build on any kind of organic moment that happens with the performers, with the presenters, with the reporters. You want to build on that. And and that is what gives you these moments that get you on social media. And and, and there is there, there really is very little social media content that is being produced from linear television because it is so overproduced. It is uh, so clinical. It doesn't allow for anything to happen, and that is. And, and television is, at, you know, is worse for it. And that's what really upsets me, Rob. You know how to do it. You know how to to bring these moments, and you surrounded yourself with people who could do that as well. That is what you need. If you have anything that's overproduced, people don't give a shit. Well, that's the thing. You don't turn it into a shiny floor experience, you know, like... They it, don't work anymore. It always well, looks but good, they don't work. but, but they it don't can work get anymore, rough. anymore, you reckon? But that's exactly right. So you can have the black shiny door, floor, but you know that if that person falls over... Yeah. One of the greatest things uh, on Tonight Live, which was obviously in the early 90s, is that they the Seven Network had just put up a very, very big, very professional, very expensive billboard of Darren Hinch for his current affairs show, Hinch, um, and they wanted to uh, do something to it. The Seven executives said no to Visard. Uh, they then did it live on the night. I know we can't do that anymore, um, but they then made him pumpkin head and they got a professional painter to make him <laughs> a pumpkin head so that when the seven executives arrived the next morning, they were not happy. But that kind of stuff is what you want to do. So you yeah. want to go, oh, well, the, the Channel 7 symbol on Martin Place, that's ridiculous. I think that should be bloody green. So you get someone to paint it green and you make mm. it, you never ask for permission, you just ask for forgiveness. Yes, and that is what's missing from Australian television. All right. Let's go to the rest of the team. Thank you, Renty Roberts. Um, Philip, what do you think? Is it the kind of show you'd watch or would you pass? Oh, I, I, you know, I'd watch the show. I, I agree with you on some of some aspects of it. Um, Let's talk about uh, what you don't agree. What don't you agree? <laughs> Oh, I I would have a very different cast. Um, okay, knowing. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I agree with Philip. Okay, who's there your is cast? Some people there. Who's your cast? Oh, well, well, some look, people I, who there are just no, beyond be, the headlines. No, no, Sorry, it's Philip. Fine. No, no, no. Well, I don't. I don't know specifics. I do love Brooke Boney. I do think she's a huge talent. I do think she's very warm, and I think she can. You know, she she has that balance between being sort of graceful and funny. And, and, and sorry, I should point quite... out, none of the cast in this were approached to been asked permission. <laughs> this is just ideas of the kind of roles. Uh, I don't know. I just think you need. I want that show to be quirky. I want it to have an element of the chaser. I want your crazy zany reporter running around to be. You know, um, uh, 
uh, Tanya Lacey from yes. Countdown Revolution yeah. all those years ago when she bowled into press conferences. Absolutely. And, Intern you know, P could be a good reporter. <laughs> Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're trying to get me into trouble. Joe Casamento is a great friend of mine and I think she'd be terrific. Um, Joe Hildebrand I think is is really good but very divisive, as you said. But, uh, but look at Studio 10 on that. You know, you didn't have a panel of comedians but it was funny. It it was serious at times. It did work. It had yeah, heart. Sure. And it was funny. Now, look, I don't know that this is the right cast. This is a start. A casting pitch like that is a starting point, right? And I made the point in the TV Black Box article that you can start with that and end up with a completely different cast as you start to put mm-hmm. people together and go, oh, they don't work or they're not too apart enough. You know, one of the problems with the project is that there's very little dissent. And even when Steve Price does dissent, he sort of, gets pushed to the side because everyone's so far on the the rest of the panel are all on on the, on the left. Yeah, look you, you you could even have an older person who could be sort of reinvent herself. I'm not suggesting necessarily Cax, but yeah, well, no, so I think Ida's got a pretty big job on, on their hands at the moment. I'd put Ida um, on TV again in a heartbeat. 100%. One, but also 100% I agree with you about the entertainment or having a destination at the end of the show. You know, I, I watch breakfast TV a lot. It's very repetitive, but they will trap me because I will want to see the big interview yeah. with the Hollywood star or whatever. Uh, and they tease me and tease me, and that's why I record it and fast-forward through the box. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, look, I, I, and, you know, there are elements of what you've pitched that the project should probably listen to as well. You know, the fun has gone out of the project. Oh, I've absolutely. Been trying, I've been trying to watch it a bit recently. and It's like, you know what the project is these days? It's like going to church and being preached at for an hour and barely able to keep your eyes open because the priest just keeps going on and on and all you're waiting for is that final amen when we can fuck off. (laughs) I I did have a giggle when I read a news report about Lisa Wilkinson attacking Elon Musk. I thought he must be quaking in his (laughs) billion-dollar shoes. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I don't think the project works, but as I said, I think if they, they adopted some of your suggestions for this show, you know, it, it, it could it could work better. I, I certainly think there's a role for a fun, light-hearted variety mm, show mm. at nine o'clock. I think a roving reporter going into crazy situations, or even just pubs or, or rock concerts or whatever. You know, I'd stick around to watch that because you don't see it anywhere else on TV. Matthew, your Uh, thoughts? Look, Robbo especially has touched on it a lot, but um, I think just the live element is what impresses me the most. Uh, We've really lost that this year and the last couple of years, and I I, I get that some of it's because of COVID, but look, last week we were talking about Big Brother and just that, that change of format. We've lost live in so many situations even shows like have you been paying attention and i think the cheap seats they're they're not live either like they're they're still recorded before they air so not only does this fill that time slot and it keeps it regular it's it's throughout the week it's not the once a week like those aforementioned shows but um it's that live element and i that that's what i really think possibly needs to go in that time slot whether it's this show or not that that, that's what's going to set any show apart is something live and fun at nine o'clock that runs monday to thursday i think there's a winner in that formula just itself let alone throw in uh, some of the comedic stuff on top of it as well 
Only shows like that will last if they can also make a relationship or tie into social media, like I've said before. So if if you don't have moments or clips that you can tie into social media, so it happens on the night or the morning uh, and then it goes out onto the socials, if you don't have that kind of engagement, then you're dead anyway. Of course. Um, I'd like to go through some of the feedback I got to this because it was there was some positive, some indifferent, some negative. So just to go through it. And look, if I answer any of the things here, it's not because I'm precious. I can actually take the criticism. It's because I'm actually answering the question. So I'm putting that caveat before you go, oh, you can't take a criticism, Rob. <laughs> Robo, I know you'll accuse me of that. Anonymous says, yeah, I'd watch that except for one thing, the comedian. I don't think it's necessary. We have plenty of excellent journos who can bring the humour as well as enough gravitas to present the really serious stuff. You've got me thinking about casting too. Yeah, fair enough. Lisa says, I can see why this didn't happen. Nothing new concept-wise and the talent mediocre. Uh, Lisa Wilkinson, she needs to like, was that Lisa Wilkinson? What was her last name? (laughs) Um, This one, nothing new there. I'll stick to the cheap seats. Okay. Uh, Anonymous, hmm, I think this is too close to what the project was originally penned to be, but you're just pitching it for a different time time slot. No, 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 no. I remember when that show launched, the 7 p.m. project. No. Talent Proposed also doesn't act as... But also, it's a panel show, so of course there's going to be some similarities. That is going to happen. Once again, execution. And if this is the project done better, isn't that okay? Yes. Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, Talent Proposed also doesn't act as a draw card. Too white, too commercial and not overly funny. Just pick up one thing. Brooke Boney's an Indigenous Australian. Angelie Rao is Indian. But what ifs? Yeah, but, <laughs> but Christian Wilkins is beige as. Um, I very, also think it would be. Cast. I think also think it would struggle appealing to younger demos. Not trying to get to younger demos, which helped. Have you been paying attention when they struggled to get off the ground in their first years? That's a very good point. I'll cop that last part. Sorry, Rob. Mike says. Sorry, Rob. Sounds super old fashioned with the live cross, etc. But agreed, it's a time slot right for the taking. Uh, this one says. Looks good, but needs some live music as part of it. I've never seen live music pull and hold an audience. I'm just going to be honest with that. You Um, said that. That's true. Everyone says we need live music. Let me ask you, when you watched David Letterman or any of those Tonight shows, when the music act comes in, do you hold on for the music act or do you go to bed? Yep. I think I know the answer. Unless it's a band you really, really want to see. But... Mm. Let's be honest, four times out of five a week, you're going to bed. Um, And this one from Pete, I like the the concept. For the lefty side, Sam Dastiari would be a good host. Yeah, I I think that's an interesting one. He'd certainly be a good part of it. Um, But, look, thank you. It's still on the table if anyone wants to pony up the cash and buy it. But um, here's my problem. TV and the people making it are killing it off by not doing something, right? You're you're basically at nine o'clock. Television is currently, and I exclude ten from this on a on a three nights a week. But yeah, pretty much yeah. TV turns off the lights and says, "Fuck off to Netflix, everybody. Off you go. Nothing to see yep. here except American imports that nobody wants to watch. Off you go. Off you go." Like, seriously, if you don't do something like this, if you don't see that live television and variety, and we're not even talking about Burt Newton big variety, we're talking about a panel show that's affordable. If you cannot see that there's value in this, 
I actually give up on you and the death of TV will come. And when it's knocking on the door, you're going to be surprised and say, what happened as you wake up? Like, seriously, people, if you don't take this idea, do something at nine o'clock because it needs to happen for the saviour of television. All right. Still to come, shocking abuse towards an ABC TV star leads to the police being called. We'll head into the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching and a big announcement that will change TV black box forever. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now let's head into Hatches and Dispatches. Channel 7 has finally confirmed the air date for the highly anticipated television special of Catherine Kim. Featuring all of your favourite stars from the comedy series as it celebrates 20 years. Now be prepared to watch never-before-seen moments and hilarious bloopers over two very big nights. The first part, titled Our Effluent Life, will air on Sunday, November 20th at 7pm. The second part, titled 20 Preposterous Years, will screen the following night, Monday, November 21st at 7.30. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Now, friend of the show and Neighbours alum, Melissa Bell has tied the knot with her long-term partner, Grant Thompson. In an emotional ceremony on the Gold Coast last month, Melissa said, I do, while wearing a fabulous white couture dress that she once wore on the now-ended so... What? She wore this... I, I mean, I love Melissa Bell. She knows I love her, but she she stole it from wardrobe. Good on her. The wedding gown featured... The wedding gown featured in the fan. She didn't steal it from wardrobe. She chose it herself, and it was for her only TV wedding. And she loved it so much, she wanted to make it. No, no. Hey, I will not say a bad word about Melissa Bell, but I love this. I mean, I stole the sequins jacket from the Five Dollar Quiz. Why didn't that make it to me? I just idea? wish you'd watched but, uh, it at the... some point. <laughs> <laughs> the wedding gown featured in the fan favourites on-screen nuptials back in 2020 when her character Lucy Robinson wed Mark, played by actor Bruce Samazan. Congratulations to Melissa, Grant, and the entire wardrobe team. <laughs> <laughs> Channel 10 have unveiled the cast of their new Australian drama series, Heat. The four-part series unfolds against the backdrop of the looming Australian bushfire season when two families venture to a secluded home for a summer vacation. As secrets and lies unravel, it becomes a tinderbox and not everyone will make it out alive. And finally, the ABC has referred a racist email sent to presenter Tony Armstrong to police. The ABC News Breakfast sports presenter had shared parts of the email on his Twitter account which referred to Armstrong as filthy scum and an uneducated dog. The Public Broadcaster's Director of News, Justin Stevens, said that the ABC is taking a range of actions to support Armstrong, including the referral to police. He added the ABC is currently conducting a bigger project on the abuse and harassment of ABC employees, including on social media, and examining all possible options to ensure the well-being of its staff. Our journalists should not be attacked or subjected to abuse for doing their jobs. Absolutely here, here to you, Justin Stevens and Rob. That is this week's Hatches. 
bruises and to scratches. Yeah, what an absolutely appalling thing for Tony oh, to have to go through. Um, there's no place for that. It's just no. outrageous. I hate it. Um, all right, let's move on because it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Matthew, we're going to start with you this week. Uh, been a few weeks, so there's a lot on my list, but I will not do a mulk, and I will keep it to two. Uh, <laughs> oh my, my first God. one is The White Lotus came back for a second season uh, two weeks ago. I think we've just had the second episode. Uh, bigger and better, everyone knows, if you listen to the podcast and you're regular, I love The White Lotus. The first season, um, this one's just as good. It's set in Sicily, Italy. Um, great cast, great story. It's really developing well, and I'm, I'm hanging on week to week wondering what's what's coming next. Um, Matthew, um, I thought I had watched the first season with my wife. It turns out I didn't. I must have just watched it by myself. Can you jump straight into season two? I haven't watched season two yet. I'm actually showing a season oh, one. Oh, yes. Yes, it's an anthology series. The, o- the only thing is that one of the characters is two. I'd already uh, heard that. Uh, so. From the first season. However, you, it's not that <clears throat> you American need to know them. Woman. I think you just... Um, I, th- I think, have you seen the first season, you would understand that character a bit more and what she's about, but n- by no means do you need to watch the first season at all. But uh, fantastic. Uh, looking forward to that. Seven episodes. We've had two so far, so if you haven't started it, go check it out. And the other one is just the light one that we've been putting on, but Modern Family, really one, one of Aww. my favourite sitcoms, and it's only something Love I really it. discovered in the last year. I've seen it before. Um, but this one I'm really digging into. Uh, very, very, very funny. Great, great cast. Um, and it really. What are you watching that stuff. through? Uh, Modern Family is Disney Plus, and White Lotus is Binge. Fair enough. Uh, Philip, what have you been watching? Uh, well, like Matthew, I've probably seen quite a bit because it's been a few weeks. Um, I watched. Uh, I've been watching series two of The Capture, which is a BBC show on the ABC. And it gives me a right. It's a thriller, but it's based around conspiracy theories and and faking everything in life. And it, it just amuses me to think of all those conspiracy theorists out there watching it and getting even more horrified at the world we live in. And it actually does paint a pretty scary picture of what technical advancements we've made with AI and all sorts of things that can just series two revolves around them faking everything from a British politician, even even to an interview on the BBC News while he's sitting in his lounge room saying, "But I'm here, and there's me being interviewed." Mm. It's it's quite mind bending, okay. um, but it, it's really well done. I have a question: Who was the director of photography on that one? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I don't know, but the, the lead female detective <laughs> I'm doing a is a beautiful back. girl. Because Mog's not here this week, he gets really upset with that joke. So that's why I thought he's not here. I'll do it. <laughs> it does star, it does star Holiday, Holiday Granger, who played Lucrezia Borgia in the Borgias, just to give you okay. some useless information <laughs> that I know you want. Also, Ron Perlman, who's obviously an excellent American actor. Uh, so that's one and. The other one, I've been watching season two of Gangs of London on Stan, which is a, a British gangster-style show. Um, word of warning, episode one is really slow and confusing and I nearly switched it off until I remembered that episode one of the first series is also equally confusing and slow, but it just gets better and better and better. Big warning that you need to have a strong stomach for the violence, but it's really gripping. 
And that's on Stan. Thank you, sir. Robbo, what have you been watching? Um, I want you to check out uh, Big Mouth uh, on Netflix. The new season has just dropped. Absolutely love it. Now, uh, you might remember Human Resources, which was kind of a spin-off that just didn't work. What I love about it is they make fun of that in their first episode of Big Mouth where they say, oh, did people watch Human Resources? Probably not. Uh, and we'll go through there, which I really like. Uh, as well. Big Mouth is great. Um, I've also been watching The Handmaid's Tale, still going on with that, still frustrated. Malk said last week, you're not going to be frustrated. I'm still bloody frustrated <laughs> by this. There are questions that can be asked because you've got two characters in the same bloody scene for about half of the episode. So still a great show. It still takes you in, but bloody hell, we need some payoff very, very, very quickly. Okay. That's how you do two shows, everyone. That's how you do it. <laughs> I've got two shows, but from different pla- from a different place. So Kevin Perry, the co-creator uh-huh. and co-editor yeah. of TV Black Box, sent a link in our Slack channel saying, you've got to watch this. You all know I love Jimmy Carr and I watch 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. And he sent me a link to a Jimmy Carr-hosted show, which has had two series now, and it's all up on YouTube, and it's called I Literally Just Told You. Now, the concept of this show is that all the questions are based on events that happen throughout the show. So at first you meet the four contestants and you learn their ages, what they do, and all that kind of stuff. So the first round is literally asking what you've learnt about the other contestants. And then as people tell more stories and might go off on a tangent, they become questions. And then the questions build on questions. It's and, and it's, it's It's seriously hilarious, funny, and you're trying to you're trying to remember yourself and play along with it so you can answer the questions. This is seriously the best show you've never heard of. And, you know, let's be good. honest, it's going to become, I literally just told you, Australia, hosted by Chrissy Swan, and, you know, like... <laughs> Channel 9. Yeah. yeah, and then Done, everyone will yeah. be like, oh, why doesn't it work? Because we get the same friggin' people. To host everything. Oh. Can I just say... I should be hosting Tipping Point at 5 o'clock. I'm putting myself out there for that. I'm I'm a man of the people who loves his pokies and Tipping Point is nothing but the pokies. Do you? Yeah, I love pokies. Love the Queen of the Nile. (laughs) Get three spins on there. You know what? That actually did have the best feature... That's what, the reason that pokey machine takes off is because it had the best. It was one of the first pokey machines to have such a great feature. There's this a lot more out there with show. a lot of different things. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> this one's your second show. <laughs> so the Very second true. one we talked tonight. I mentioned about unless television does something about nine o'clock to hold audiences. These days we're getting excited. This show got three hundred ninety-five thousand or whatever. My middle child watches. The Norris Nuts on YouTube. And there I am. I, is she allowed to watch that? <laughs> so it's this family. The, the the family came to fame on the Today Show where um, the girl had seen something at Bondi Beach and she said something funny and then they decided to start their own YouTube page. The father is an Olympic medalist, I, uh, I think gold, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Anyway, it's about this this family, this these young kids, and they make all these videos. And I, I, was, I knew they were big, but my daughter was watching something uploaded two days ago and it had 1.5 million views. Jeez. Let that sink in. Mm. 1.5 million views. These videos, the parents aren't even editing this now. They have 
taught the kids how to edit. The kids edit the videos. Wow. This family now keep having kids so that the new kids can come through and create content. Keep having kids. And it's a business investment. What, what is it, a breeding <laughs> farm? What, no, seriously. Uh, that's my sceptical side, and I'm joking. No defamation uh. here. Because <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, no, no, parody. Uh, as Robbo said, parody, com- comedic effect. That's yep. not defamation. Um, so... My point here is that here is a family making videos, putting to YouTube. They have become so big. They are now, they moved to like Newcastle or something. They are moving back to Bondi and they were looking at not just houses. They were looking at apartment complexes so they could all have their own apartment. This is how rich this family have got from doing YouTube videos and how many views they get. Television's in trouble when content like this can take over. Beauty. You want to, you want to have a, you want to have some tea. What? What? Why are you cutting me No, because I don't like that. Was when like who cares about YouTube? I get what you're saying, but what's one point five million here. views in two days? Yeah, but oh, I find that interesting. interesting. That's bigger than anything going on TV right now. Sorry. I just and you're recommending we watch it, Rob, yes? I'm not I'm saying not to watch that. the Norris Nuts. I'm saying have a look and see what's going on in the world. It comes back to Robbo's point about TikTok and how how it's all changing what people are consuming. Okay, mm. yeah. Yeah. okay now to our group binge, which is apparently the mole, even though I said last week it was going to be your mum my dad because nobody did their homework and blamed I did. not knowing what was I Thank did. you, Matthew. All right, let's do a quick a your mum my dad. It. It didn't do so well in the ratings because Channel 7 had the great disruptor known as This Is Your Life, which Mm, is a ploy that mm, 7 are mm. using to drop these in and disrupt any new programs. Smart. And it did the business. This Is Your Life. Um, This Is Your Life did 581,000 for Channel 7 and My Mum, Your Dad, the launch of it, did 396,000. So, Matthew... It's a dating show. Dating shows are in trouble. I think mm. dating shows are dead in this country. Mm. Now, the thing is, I actually like this show. It's mm. got a point of difference with the way the kids come in and control what's going on with their parents as they watch from hidden cat. Well, they watch the feet of all the cameras and then get to make decisions. What did you find of think of your mum, my dad? Um, oh, the beginning was a bit tiresome. I think I'm a little bit over shows that just start with all the intros. Like, I, I feel like we've, we've yeah, especially agree. with reality TV, like, let's get into it. Let's get into the action mm. first and introduce people as we go along. So it was a bit tiresome for me at that, and I was fast-forwarding a little bit because I was watching today. Um, but watching it, I, I was a little bit interested in just seeing these parents. I do think it's quite interesting we're watching older people date and they're very reserved and on the whole time i'm like oh they're just having a chat and they're a little bit romantic i'm like god if this was like 22 year olds they'd already be macking on like seriously so i i, <laughs> I, I, I do find it I, if it was love island like they'd already be in the bed like come on uh but i, I do like the show in in the fact that it's got that that different appeal I do. I don't think it's anything wow though. And, and when we talk about dating shows and trouble, this is just gonna gonna fall into it. Is it a show that really needs an hour and a half to two hours? No, it's an hour no, show. Th- no, it's this is why we're also killing TV because reality shows go too long. That's why yes. reality is dying because we just can't make the investment. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. Like, let's have a show, 7.30 to 8.30, then 8.30, to 9.30, 9.30 to 10.30. Like, we just need our shows. This, this, is, this is too long. And I don't think this particular format will be um, sustainable for four nights a week, three nights a week, for, a, for you know, a, a couple of months. It's just going to die along with all the other dating shows. If it was coming up at a different time, maybe it's got a chance. But this is, I feel like it's just going to fall to the wayside. There's nothing wow about it. Yeah. I've got to say I really liked it. Like you, yes, I hear what you're saying about the intros, although there was a lot of heart there that you don't get from The Bachelor and the like. Um, the most interesting part was the kids reacting to what their parents were saying, like when yes, Dad's talking about having sex up on the bench and the kids, they're having to hear that. Um, that's a bit of a shocking moment. And when the girl had to sit there while the men were making fun of her mum's plastic mm. surgery. That was so, compelling. Yeah, it, it was compelling. It's got a lot of interesting moments. And to be honest, I think they're the moments that need to be sold more mm. than the dating aspect because dating shows are yeah. dead. I'm actually, if I had my bell here, I'd be ringing the bell. I'm calling it now. <laughs> dating shows in Australia are dead. Done. Mm. Let's move on to the show that the others did watch, and that's The Mole on Netflix. Matthew, this was your choice. Set it up for us, please. Uh, the Mole is back. It was a format that we've seen on uh, Australian TV a couple of times. It's had a couple of start-stops. Uh, basically, there are 12 uh, American, it's Americans that are filming in Brisbane, Australia, which was great. Uh, and then they venture out to New South Wales and who cares great about house. that? Um, uh, 12 people, one of them's a mole. They're, they're all competing a little bit like the traders, if you've been touching that. Uh, they're all competing in different challenges to earn money, and one of them is trying to sabotage that pot. And I just think it's just nicely refined reality television on a streaming site. It, 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 it's, it's, it's becoming probably my favourite reality show of the year. Great. Love it. i I got to say I love this one too. I thought it was really compelling. I had a lot going for it. Robbo, what did you think? If you were painting your house and you needed to go into Bunnings and you went to the paint section and you just had to say to them, I want the mole colour, they would give you the beigest, most boring <laughs> colour to paint your house that you've ever seen. This is it is from the man so- who recommended those two episodes of 30 oh Rock my God, Like, you probably can't the two worst episodes. Too long ago. I'm going to give you a. So this show, um, I I hope that um, whoever wrote it is in the Writers Guild of America because it is so scripted. Uh, These are surely (laughs) actors. It is too polished. The people are too beautiful. It is not compelling. It is lame, beige, boring, rubbish. Um, If you want to look at something, uh, you know, paint drying, it would be more interesting uh, and the paint would have more to say than any of these stupid contestants in any of these contrived situations that are clearly have been reshot reshot guys that 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 actually that challenge didn't work we need to get we need to film it again five times okay can you just pretend like it you know you just experienced it for the first time it is overproduced it is rubbish the people are boring they have no depth it is a stupid, ridiculous show, and it is rubbish. Do not watch it. It no. is woeful. No, I, 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 I think Robbo is just not used to refined reality television because we, we've got we've had, <laughs> oh, we've had no. so much oh. trashy so far. I feel like that this is just so far removed from what we're used but to. To me, you shouldn't use the word refined with reality because that is to me is overproduced and written. Just means it's good, Hello. mate. 
<laughs> you look, it just it just felt like a half a dozen other reality shows to me, but I, I don't love reality TV. So, no, I won't be watching another episode of it. Phil, did you Christ watch no. it? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> And the study said he didn't watch it. He just jumped on Robo's bandwagon. Um, Thank you. I have no idea what the group binge is next week because I thought it was going to be the mole. Does anyone have any recommendations? I mean, I had a choice, but obviously if we're doing the mole, like, that's been my choice, so I'm happy to <laughs> No, you can go on. again. Uh, I was thinking uh, the new season of The Crown is going to drop season oh, five, episode one on Netflix. Great idea. Yeah. Thank God you finally said episode something. Episode one of season... Watchable. Five. What, 75 we're up to now of The Crown? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's close. Tear the monarchy down. Yeah, season, <laughs> season five, episode one. All right, so that's oh, what idea. we will be watching for next week's group binge. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box, except we have a bit of an announcement because things are about to change here at TV Black Box and not in a good way. Philip, you have some news. Oh, no, don't say this. I don't even know this, but I'm not even interested. That's all we've got time for tonight. <laughs> yeah, look, I do, unfortunately, have to take a step back from TV Aww. Black Box because I've just got my fingers in a few too many pies and uh, worlds are colliding and it's all got a little bit difficult to um, do my homework. As you know, I've been very slack about doing that. <laughs> and but and he course, decided that I... this free gig that he does <laughs> could be the thing that goes from his life. Like, it's pretty outrageous. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't want to mention, you know, Prime Video $40,000 a year and say I'm in discussions <laughs> or anything like that because that would be totally untrue. Oh, I really uh, liked I really No, liked look, you, I, as I said to Rob, I've, I've loved doing it and I've loved getting to know all you guys and learning a lot more about TV. Uh, and I'm going to pop back up every now and then um, if you'll have me. So that's where we're at. Well, we will you can put your finger in my pie anytime you want, <laughs> Philip. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to fly to Brisbane to do that. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And on that weird note, that brings us to oh, the end of TV like Black Box for another week. Don't forget, for all the latest information, exclusives and news you can use, go to tvblackbox.com.au. It's where people in the industry get their news. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Robbo. I'm Rob McKnight. And a special thank you to Philip. See Woo. you soon, my friend. See you soon. See you soon. Thanks, Rob. 